1: With Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
0: The Volume.
1: Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. The football season is coming and there's no better place to start making every moment more then with FanDuel, I just love using this app. It's super user-friendly and safe. They have such a deep repertoire of odds and markets for every sport, and they have same-game parlays. You guys remember the same-game parlays that Live Moods and I were thrown out during the NBA playoffs for the volume? Those were a ton of fun. All around, it's by far the best sports gambling experience I've come into contact with. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Jason T so they know I sent you. Again, promo code Jason T so they know I sent you. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope all of you guys had a great weekend. Pardon the different setup. I'm doing some renovations to the studio right now, so for about the next week or so, this will be the setup. Uh, just want to get some permanent stuff in there. I had I, We threw the set together really fast, if you guys remember... We started this show in February in the middle of the season, and so we didn't have a ton of time to get detailed with the setup, so we're doing some work in there right now. Uh, That should be back to normal by next week. Season is right around the corner, too. We are, if I'm not mistaken, four weeks from Thursday is the first preseason game this year. That's how close we are. And the next month, we're going to be spending a lot of time looking forward. We're going to do another series, a detailed series, similar to what we did with our top 25 NBA players, We're going to do the top 15 power rankings going into the season. And each video is going to be a deep dive into everything about that particular team in the power rankings. Changes they've made to the roster over the offseason. What I expect them to look like on the offensive end of the floor and the defensive end of the floor. Predictions for the season. Everything under the sun for each of the top 15 teams in the league. That's something I'm really looking forward to. Uh, But before we look forward... There is one last thing that we have to do looking backwards. And it's something I I feel like is really important. Because one of the best basketball players of all time, a player that coming into last season had three championships, should have had a finals MVP, had won back-to-back MVPs at one point, and is the foundational piece for one of the wildest franchise turnarounds in the history of the NBA and the most dominant franchise of this era, Mr. Steph Curry. He just had not only another championship added to his resume, a finals MVP, what should have been a second added to his resume, but had one of the most dominant playoff runs of his career and in NBA history. That changes a lot of things. That puts him into conversations with players that we never really thought that he'd be mentioned with when he came into the league. And so before we look forward, before we start thinking about this next season, I wanted to take an opportunity to think a little bit harder about where Steph lands all time after this crowning achievement of his career, this playoff run, winning a fourth title with the Golden State Warriors. So we're going to be diving into uh, where he ranks in the list today, um, how I, what rules I use with my particular list and get into some of the other players on the list as well. Uh, but it's going to be a big focus on Steph. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore LT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And then last but not least, if you miss one of these videos and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish them, don't forget that you can always go to our podcast feeds, wherever you get your podcasts, and find the audio version of these shows under Hoops Tonight. So again, we need to have this conversation because I do think these things matter. Um, the debates themselves can get frustrating to me for the same reasons why the player rankings can get frustrating sometimes. No one really wants to negotiate in good or talk or discuss in good faith. Everyone's kind of married to their opinions, and it can get very like uh, aggressive with people, and, and it doesn't end up uh, being a basketball discussion often enough for my liking. But I do think these things matter. The reality is, is particularly with the NBA, we care about player rankings. We talk about the GOAT, the greatest of all time in basketball, a hell of a lot more than we do with Major League Baseball or with football, obviously because of positional differences. And I think that's interesting because there are positional differences in basketball. I keep separate lists for bigs and perimeter players, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But lists, these all-time rankings do matter a lot more within the historical context of the NBA than they do with other sports. And Steph Curry just had an incredible career-defining achievement. And as a four-time champion, two-time MVP, he is on a very short list of players who have hit those specific markers in NBA history. And so he's starting to force his way into some really complicated conversations. And that's recognition that he deserves I've always been a big believer that you know that, that, that the trophy really means something, and when you have a, a season like this that ends in an achievement like Steph lighting up that Celtics defense and getting a trophy, I believe you deserve a hell of a lot of recognition because of just how hard that is to do. I do the same thing when Giannis got the trophy last year. I did the same thing when LeBron got it in 2020. Again, when these guys add that particular achievement to their to their resume, it needs to be celebrated. So a couple of things. First of all, why do I keep bigs and perimeter players in separate lists? It's the same reason why I value perimeter players more than bigs in general, but it goes deeper than that. They, because I don't have to get into the basketball reasons. The main thing to me is it's, they're just different positions. How can I possibly compare what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did for the Lakers for all those years to what Steph Curry is doing for the Warriors. There's no basketball translatability. They didn't even do any of the same jobs on the floor aside from the end result, which was putting the ball in the basket or stopping the other team from putting the ball in the basket. That's where the similarities end. So how can I say one player is better than the other when it's like comparing a left tackle to a cornerback in the NFL. Like it just, there's not enough parallels there for me to make those types of comparisons. So for me, I'm going to put perimeter players in one list and bigs, any kind of big, in another list. That involves big centers like Kareem Abdul Jabbar and Wilt Chamberlain and the best power forwards of all time, the Tim Duncans and the Dirk Nowitzkys of the world. I view that specific position, the low post anchor. On both ends of the floor as a completely different position, a completely different job, but basically a different sport than what the perimeter players are asked to do on any given possession. So I'm going to keep them in different lists. That's just the way I do it. A lot of people are going to do it differently. And that's fair. You know, like some people say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the greatest basketball player of all time. They're not wrong. I just have a hard time saying Kareem's better than LeBron and MJ, considering they do absolutely nothing similar on a basketball court. And then lastly, I don't factor in any basketball before the 1980s. The reason there is very simple. I have watched a lot of film from everything that's happened from 1980 on. All of the greatest games in NBA history, many times over. There's plenty of footage and a lot to dive in there to learn. Beyond 1980, it gets really cloudy for me. And I personally just don't feel comfortable having strong opinions about basketball players that played that long ago. The game looks very different. It's a lot harder to find footage. In general, it's just an era that I do not know enough about beyond what I've read in books and a little bit of footage that I've seen. So for me personally... I don't feel comfortable comfortable for that. There are a lot of guys out there that are older, that have been around the game a lot longer, that are more willing to dive into those types of comparisons. That's not me. So this particular list for me is perimeter players after 1980. Those are my rules. That's just the way that I do it. That's the way this list is going to go. So what I want to do is I want to first uh, list off what my top nine is without Steph. And then what, I, what we'll do is we'll go over Steph's resume and where he fits into this list. So I have Michael Jordan at number one. What he did in terms of dominance, not just as an individual, but with his team, is unmatched in NBA history. And I think that that has to weigh more than everything else that we talk about on this list. When you win six championships in eight tries as a team, When it's considered blasphemous to even mention another player in the same breath as you, that is a type of dominance that nobody in this era has accomplished. There was maybe a two or three year stretch in the early 2010s, like from 2012 to 2013, those two seasons, where it was blasphemous to mention a name with LeBron James. But that was two years And what MJ did during that entire decade of the 90s mimics what LeBron did during that two-year span. There's no comparison. And then in terms of team success, we've had players have three-peats. We've had players win a lot of championships over a long period of time. Two two three-peats executed within an eight-year window is a level of dominance that no player in modern NBA history has been able to touch. I think we have to apply the appropriate amount of credit and attention in that direction. And that, to me, is going to put MJ at number one on my list. Number two, I have LeBron. He's the unprecedented combination of longevity and greatness. There are players like uh, like Karl Malone and, and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that were around forever and were very good the whole time. But for both of those guys, once they got over that age of 35, they were great players, but they were never considered potentially among the best players in the league. And that's the wild thing about the LeBron James experience. Like, I, most LeBron fans disagree with me, and I have him at number four going into this age 38 season, this 20th season of his career. It's a type of dominance at that age that we've never seen before. The other big thing with LeBron that I think often gets glossed over is there is no player in NBA history that has the variety of success that LeBron James has. From taking Eric Snow and Danielle Marshall and Drew Gooden into the NBA Finals in 2007 to winning 60 games twice and making it to the conference finals with Mo Williams as his best teammate in that team with Delonte West and Shaquille O'Neal on it but when he was way past his prime to what he did with the Miami Heat to the end of the Miami Heat era when Bosch was at the five and Dwayne Wade had declined quite a bit to the Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love Cavs, to just the Kevin Love Cavs going all the way to the NBA finals to having a winning record with Brandon Ingram and crew when he was playing in 2019 to what he did with Anthony Davis. Like there's just regardless of circumstance, there is no player that has been as successful as he's been in as many different types of situations to solidify his basketball impact. With so many other players in NBA history, you can quickly point to like, oh, like he won this way, but who knows if he could have won if something else was different. You know what I mean? And even with MJ, it's like he always won because he had Scottie Pippen. And you know whether it was Horace Grant the first time around, or it was Dennis Rodman the second time around. He had a, gr- a great front court that helped him do with, uh, do the dirty work. You never saw him win in like different styles, not undercutting what he did. That's just MJ, or that's just LeBron's case. LeBron's case. If you're attempting to say or convince people that he was better than MJ, you're centering it around longevity and variety he won over a longer period of time and he won a bunch of different ways and that is what kind of that kind of removes question marks and removes subjectivity from his basketball impact. At number 3 I have Kobe Bryant. And I know that's going to seem high for a lot of you guys, but I value what he did on the court a great deal. Also, I think the analytics movement did a lot to damage Kobe's legacy in a way that I don't think is fair. You know, Kobe was inefficient as a scorer compared to a lot of his peers. But that had a lot more to do with the way the game was played in that era. Slow pace, very little space to operate, still had bruising power forwards on the floor, two big lineups almost exclusively. I mean, he was playing with Bynum and Gasol, you know, that's just parameters shifting from era to era. It's not fair to compare James Harden and the types of shots that he's taking in this era with the type of spacing that he has to what Kobe was dealing with. And yet the analytics movement has driven that argument to the point where a lot of people have Kobe down at like 13th all time in their rankings, which I just think is absurd and disrespectful. And I don't think there's a single thing that James Harden can do with the basketball as well as Kobe can do it, and he shot higher percentages. So what do you guys think that is? Do you think James Harden actually was better than Kobe at those things? Or do you think the parameters have shifted? I think the parameters have shifted. So I think it's it, Kobe's been unfairly maligned on that front. He's got a lesser version of MJ's career. He's the second best scorer of all time. He won five championships. His last two championships with the Lakers have become underrated as well. I mean it really was just a bunch of role players in Pau Gasol. Very good teams, but not the super talent-laden teams that we've seen win throughout NBA history. So I have Kobe at number three. Number four, I have Magic Johnson. I think he's the ultimate franchise foundational piece. We talk about this a lot with uh, Tim Duncan and Steph Curry, this idea of the player that never really was like consistently the best player in the league, but that was always in that conversation And their career spans multiple iterations of that team. The team is always winning and they win a lot of championships. That's Magic, Tim Duncan, and Steph Curry. I think Magic has the best version of that career. So I have him up at number four. The big thing with him, his versatility as a big forward with as as much skill as he had allowed him to evolve his role as the team needed it to change. No different than him starting at center in an NBA Finals game in his rookie year. Um, number five, I have Larry Bird, three-time champ, three-time MVP. Team success is what keeps him behind Magic at this point. Those four, so LeBron, Magic, Bird, and MJ, all those—all uh, of the five, uh, not counting Kobe, those are the only four perimeter players to have three MVPs and three titles. That's how rare that is. There were two bigs who did it, Kareem and Russell, but only six players in NBA history have three titles and three MVPs, Not a coincidence that I have them as four of my top five uh, going into this particular conversation. Number six, I have Kevin Durant, two-time champion, one-time MVP. I also have him as the third best scorer of all time. Number seven, remember, these are all players in their accomplishments post-1980. Number seven, I have Dwayne Wade, a three-time champ. One-time Finals MVP. He had one of the most dominant playoff runs of all time. In 2006, he averaged 28-6 and 6 on 59% true shooting. In the finals, he averaged 35-8 and 4 on 57% true shooting. Uh, like at his peak, he was arguably the most unguardable player in the NBA with how difficult it was to keep him out of the lane. At number eight, which is wild, I already have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two-time MVP and one-time champ already. Incredibly dominant playoff run in 2021. Probably should have won last year's MVP too. He's going to be rocketing up this list at a high rate of speed. And then number nine, the final player in the top 10, not counting Steph, I have Julius Irving. He won a title and an MVP in the early 80s. The interesting part about it is he did it during Magic and Bird's Watch um, I had him just barely over Isaiah Thomas here. Isaiah Thomas's team was more successful, but I did think Julius was a slightly better player. Um, so where does Steph fit in this list? That's the question. Let's t- take a quick look at his resume. So Steph is a four-time champion now, one-time finals MVP, should be two, a two-time MVP, an eight-time All-Star, four-time first-team All-NBA, eight-time All-NBA overall, and a two-time scoring champ. Just that resume before we get any deeper into the woods, before we even consider all of the details and the context, that automatically puts him ahead of Dr. J, ahead of Giannis, ahead of Dwayne Wade, and ahead of Kevin Durant. And there is a healthy gap there. So he can be no lower than the sixth best perimeter player since 1980. So I don't think that Steph has a case over Magic, and I I don't think that Steph fans would disagree with me. I mean, Magic's a three-time MVP, five-time champion. During an era when the league was stacked with talent, this was before talent dilution, this was before they expanded uh, the number of teams a similar type of role to Steph 2 in that franchise cornerstone type of uh, type of role so i don't I, I think he's got some ground to cover to get into that magic johnson conversation which means that the debate here is is who's at number 5 are we putting larry bird at number 5 or are we putting steph curry at number 5 Alright, guys, it's time to kick off week one with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Join today to get started with $150 in free bets. Guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code Jason T to get in on the action. Then you can turn game day into payday all season long. Now, if I had $150 in free bets, there'd be two bets that I would make. I would take the Dallas Cowboys win total under because every time Tyron Smith gets hurt, the entire season goes downhill. And then my favorite long-shot Super Bowl bet is the Chargers. You can get them at plus 1,400 right now. I'm a huge Justin Herbert fan. It's like watching an NBA shooting guard play quarterback in the NFL. I like them at that particular number. Play your way and bet on more than just the final score. Wager on everything from touchdowns to total yards to catches. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Kansas. Don't fumble your chance to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose with promo code Jason T. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official
0: sportsbook partner of the NFL. And so, Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It
1: is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design icon West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of the two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash H-O-O-P-S. I wanted to dive into that a little bit. So Larry Bird's peak was higher, in my opinion. From 1984 to 1986, he won three consecutive MVPs in two championships and won finals MVP in both championships, 1984 and uh, 1986. During the regular season, during that three-year span, he averaged 26, 10, and 7 on 50% from the field, 39% from three, and 89% from the line. So he's basically the original 50-40-90 guy. In the playoffs, the scoring went up a little bit, 27-10-7, 50% from the field, 38% from three, 89% from the line. So he was the original hyper-efficient score. So his peak, if you're just looking at just that three-year window, three MVPs, two finals MVPs, Dominant, efficient scoring, well-rounded game, rebounding the basketball, passing the basketball. I don't think Steph can match that peak. But in terms of the totality of their career right now, I do give Steph a slight edge. Not only does he have one more title, but I think he has the most impressive title out of any of the titles that Larry and Steph won combined. That 2021 playoff run, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, there are so many elements that we've even forgotten about as, as as time has gone by for instance lebron james kevin durant and giannis are all still at the peak of their powers i have those guys as the other 3 in the top 4 players in the league right now he was coming off of a foot injury he sat out i can't remember how many it was something like a dozen games his first bit of action was coming off the bench in the first round of the playoffs this golden state roster was very good but it's flawed like it kind of reminds me of the kobe rosters in 2009 and 2010 like there's arguably not a top 15 player on the, the, the roster outside of Steph. I didn't even have a top 25 player on the roster outside of Steph. Like each player is deeply impactful and valuable, right? Like what Draymond does for the Warriors is immensely valuable. What Andrew Wiggins did for the Warriors was immensely valuable. But there's no star next to Steph Curry there. Uh, so that that's kind of a, 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 an interesting piece of context. He goes through, he rips through Nikola Jokic in the first round, John Morant, uh, rapidly ascending John Morant in the second round, Luka Doncic in the third round, and Jason Tatum in the fourth round. Literally, with Luka and Tatum in particular, he emotionally crushes them. Both Luka and Jason Tatum played well below their play just previously in this playoff run. Luka looked like a world-beater against the Phoenix Suns, and looked like a shell of himself against the Golden State Warriors. Jason Tatum was, you know, Kawhi-esque through three rounds and then fell apart in the finals. That's to Steph's credit. Obviously, Andrew Wiggins was doing the defensive job, but the emotional stress, the fear of looking eye-to-eye with Steph Curry coming at you on the other end of the court, that had a psychological impact on those guys. I truly believe it did, and it's an underrated part of this playoff run. In the Boston series, he averages 31-6-5 on 48% from the field, 44% from three, 86% from the line, and only two and a half turnovers per game. This was against a Boston Celtics t- uh, defense that I thought had the best half-court defense of this era. The same Boston Celtics defense that caused massive problems for every other star they came up against. Jimmy Butler had some nightmare games. In the conference finals. Giannis's shooting percentages didn't even resemble the way he normally plays basketball. And Kevin Durant had the worst playoff series he's had in six years. That's what the Boston Celtics team did to those guys. And Steph Curry had one of the best playoff series of his career against that Boston defense. And then even as we zoom out to the totality of their legacy. You know Larry Bird continued and grew the legacy of the Boston Celtics. So I don't want to undercut that. He also, him and Magic Johnson are directly responsible for infusing life into an NBA that was losing steam in terms of its national popularity. But what Steph Curry did with the Warriors is somehow even more impressive than that. Because he came to them when they were a perennial loser. And he turned that perennial loser into the most successful NBA franchise of this era. Now, there's competency in the the organization from top to bottom. They have an owner that's willing to spend a general manager who understands what works in the modern NBA, an excellent head coach. And the you know most Warriors fans will tell you this was the year where Steve Kerr kind of showed some malleability and willingness to change his approach to cater to this specific roster. So don't get me wrong. The Golden State machine has lots of, of really uh, competent people in their positions that's leading to the success. But the guy who started that all is Steph Curry. And none of that happens without Steph Curry. And so what he did turning a perennial loser into an NBA powerhouse that will continue to be an NBA powerhouse to some extent, even after he's gone, I put an even, I put an even greater deal of, uh, of weight in that accomplishment than what Larry Bird did uh, with the Boston Celtics. So even though Larry Bird had a higher peak from 1984 to 1986, I think Curry is the fifth best perimeter player in NBA history since 1980. So the question here, the final question I wanted to touch is, you know, what most Steph Curry fans will wonder. What would it take for Steph Curry to be considered in the GOAT conversation? And first of all, it's a conversation. You're never ever going to get unanimous approval from any one name from the basketball community. I mean my father-in-law is a big basketball fan. He thinks Wilt Chamberlain's the best player of all time. You think I'm going to convince him anything? <laughs> like like uh, I'm not like that's just the way he sees it, right? There are people out there who think Kareem was the best player of all time. Most people think MJ. Le- LeBron fans swear it's LeBron. It's a conversation. The thing that interests interest me more is what's the case. Right? MJ's case is dominance. From 1991 to 1998, No one could mess with me and no one could mess with my team. Therefore, I am the greatest ever. That's MJ's case, right? LeBron's case is like, regardless of circumstance, regardless of scenario, regardless of team, for 20 years, I could make your team a contender. That's that's LeBron's case. And it's a damn good one. So what is Steph's case, right? To me, Steph's case is that ultimate foundational piece. And the three names we threw out there are like Tim Duncan, Steph, and Magic Johnson. Because they don't have the dominance. They don't have that eye-to-eye with the best players in the league and consistently beating them and outplaying them type of thing that LeBron and MJ had. But there's this team success There's this, like, aura of success that seems to, like, players who come into contact with them play better. The organization as a whole seems to be improving as they are involved. That ultimate franchise foundational piece becomes Steph's case. It's great leadership. It's great consistency. It's making different players play well around him. It's winning over a larger span of time. Getting a title in 2022 when he got a title in 2015 is incredibly impressive in that regard. But he needs to have a better version of Magic Johnson's case. Because right now, that foundational piece thing is going to go to Magic, right? And his case isn't good enough to enter into that conversation. So what what Steph would need to do is to win two additional titles, which is absolutely in play, especially with some of the young talent that's on that roster. If Steph manages to win two more titles, he becomes a six-time champion that has the type of unassailable leadership and competency, organizational, uh, uh, that that impact on the organization that left behind a dynasty that will linger even after he's gone, the same way that Magic did with the Lakers, if Steph can have a better version of that case, that becomes his case when we have those conversations. And you can imagine a scenario in the future where you're sitting at a sports bar and Steph's a six-time champion and you got three guys sitting at the bar and the MJ guy goes, man, dominance. No one could mess with him. 91 to 98, six titles. No one was even at his level. And then the LeBron guy butts in and he goes, yeah, but you know he played for 20 years. He won in all these different ways. He won with AD as his teammate. He won with Kyrie as his teammate. He won with Dwayne Wade as his teammate. You can see that being the case. And then with Steph, it's I took a perennial loser and turned them into the most competent and successful franchise of this era we won 6 championships. I you know, so that puts me over Magic Johnson, that puts me over Tim Duncan. I am the ultimate franchise builder in NBA history. That would be Steph's case. He just needs to get two additional titles to enter into that conversation, and it's wild to even think that it's possible at this point, but it absolutely is. So again, my list funky parameters, right? Perimeter players only, only after 1980. But when I'm ranking my top 10, I'm going MJ LeBron, I'm going Kobe Magic, Steph at number 5, Larry Bird at number 6, and I'm going to Kevin Durant, Dwayne Wade, Giannis Antetokounmpo at number 9, and Dr. J at number 10. And with that, we can finally stop looking backwards. I feel like we've taken plenty of time this summer to give Steph the victory lap, a two-month-long victory lap that he deserves. He's already a top five perimeter player in modern NBA history with a lot of basketball left to play. I'm excited to watch it. And like I said, over the course of the next month, we're going to be doing deep dives into each of the top 15 teams going into the season in a power rankings format. So be on the lookout for that. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support, and I'll see you in a couple of days.